How are we doing out there, Porch? Uh, is this season getting a little long for you? I know it's getting a little long for me. Anybody tired out there, right? And not just like the morning tired, right? I know some of you are brand new parents. You've got newborns at home. I understand why you're tired. Some of us have newborns at home. Some of us have young children at home. So I get that kind of tired. But is anybody getting more tired than that, right? Like I'm like a weariness of soul, like that this thing has just gone on far too long and it's beginning to take its toll because we're missing relationships and friendships and people around us and we don't know which data to interpret and what's the right things to say and man, we're just getting worn out. As I talk to people variously throughout my weeks, there's just this malaise that's settled over this whole process and situation. People are getting tired, not just because of normal rhythms, but because of these accentuated rhythms that we're living in at this time. So as we begin today, my question for you is simply this. What do you do when you're at that moment? When you're weary, when you're worn out, tired, burned out perhaps, when you just can't seem to get things to come together? How do you find the energy to recover from that place? Most of us, when we're in those times and in those places, we kind of default to our basic settings, right? We let go of some of the things where we're pushing or challenging ourselves in and we default back to a lower form where we're just doing things that are automatic, right? Like when you wake up in the morning to make coffee, you can do it with your eyes closed in the dark, right? You know where the coffee machine is, you know where the coffee is, you can push the button without even fully waking up, right? Or how about driving your car home after a stressful day at work and you're just on autopilot? Like you don't even know the turns you're making you're suddenly just in your garage and you're like I hope that was safe right I don't know how I got here that kind of autopilot that we enter into when we're stressed out in life when we're overwhelmed overburdened we enter into some of those autopilot tendencies and in multiple areas we default back to some of those rhythms that exist just below the surface those things that we don't even have to think actively about they they just kind of come naturally they spring up either from childhood or our past or they're so ingrained into who we are that we don't even have to think about acting them out, right? There's a, a rhythm that exists in our lives, and today we're going to talk about that. Now, rhythm simply said is this. It's a strong, regular, repeated pattern of movement or sound. It's a, it's a cadence, it's a beat, it's a regular movement, it's things that happen on repeatable intervals. You can set your watch by them, and when crisis or exhaustion hits, we fall into some of those rhythms. Right? We're in week three of our series, Arrows. We're talking about living our lives towards the target, but not just our lives, but as we parent, how we take these arrows that God has given us in our quiver and make sure that we let them hit the target that God has called them to as well. Last week, we talked about the release, that the goal of parenting is eventually releasing our children to fly and hit the target. First week, we talked about aim. What's the aim of our life? Are we living towards eternity? Today, we're going to talk about that second R, and that second R is rhythm, because there's a rhythm to life. 
There's a, a pattern, there's a beat, there's a, a cadence, a step that involves the life, not only that we are living, but also the life that we're called to live. There's universal rhythms that are always true. There's personal rhythm, rhythms that are true for you. There's rhythms of family and rhythms of work. There's things that we teach our children for better or worse. And when it comes time to take the shot using our archery illustration, the rhythms that we put into place, the regular practice mean that we don't even have to think perhaps but we can step up and deliver even under the pressure of life because we've so ingrained these habits and rituals and rhythms into our lives into the lives of our children that they just almost happen naturally but it doesn't start there it's work that it takes to get there so we're going to talk about rhythm today Psalm 127 has been our launching for this series. Let's review a little bit of that this morning as we get started, starting in verse 1. Psalm 127 says this, Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. All right, so starting out, it's a reminder, right, that God is in control, right? He's the point. What's the point in building the house if the God's not the one over it, right? What's the point of staying up late or what's the point of doing really anything if God's not the author of it? That's that aim that we're talking about. As we go on into those verses, right, it's pointless not to follow after God. And then he ends it with this unique turn of phrase, right? He says, for he grants sleep to those he loves. Now, this is less about God choosing who he loves or doesn't love and far more about us positioning ourselves in relationship with God. When we position ourselves to not struggle and strive as much to produce and gain the things that we have, we position ourselves to be in a relationship with God where we're reminded that he is ultimately in control. And because of that, we can rest and sleep at night. He grants us sleep because of our trust in him. Look, if God's not in charge, then what's the point? What's the point in living this through? And he created us to live in the rhythms where he is in charge. Now, we come at issue with this verse because culturally, I don't think we're living this out in the typical United States of American family. Right? Culturally, we are completely overbooked and overwhelmed. Right? Our, schedules, our schedules are filled to the max. We're trying to get the most out of life, but many people that I talk to regularly, if you get down to the root of it, are feeling like they're just spinning their wheels. Like they're running in pursuit of a goal that's not satisfying once they catch it. And maybe they're missing out on the bigger, broader pieces of life. But often we're just running too quick to even stop and ask those questions. They're just go, go, go. And it leaves us exhausted and drained instead of filled. And I would submit that this is because there is a divine rhythm. 
that we have to learn to live in instead of live against. And when we go, 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 we think that we're achieving the most that we can, but really we are living separated from the divine rhythm that God has carved out for us. And it's in vain, it's pointless, and it's costing us more than satisfaction. It might be costing us our souls. So there's a rhythm to life, a cadence, a a beat, and so much of our life is lived not connected with this divine rhythm that God sets out for us. So what is this rhythm? How do we discover it? How do we tap into it? It's not a secret. This is a verse I'm sure you've heard before. You've probably heard sermons better than this one preached on it before. But we're going to go to Matthew chapter 11, and we're going to see the rhythms that Jesus lays out for us there. This is beginning in verse 3. 33. Listen to these words from Scripture. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So the first thing we see there is come to me. The first thing we need to know about this divine rhythm is that it's from God, it's instituted by God, that he's the one who defines it and gives it its boundaries. It's not simply something that we can control, we can have influence over our personal rhythm, but this divine rhythm is bigger than you or I. It's existed, it's woven into the fabric of creation. Here's how the early practicers of our faith understood and implemented such an understanding. This is Exodus chapter 20. It says, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall do no work, neither you, nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day, and he made it holy." This is the Ten Commandments, right? The hallmarks of our faith, the things that those early followers of God, the people that God chose to follow him, this is where they draw their significance from. This is words directly from the Lord. And he says, look, there's a rhythm to your life. There's a a week that happens. There's six days of work, and then there is a day of rest. And this rhythm is mine, and it is important. And I just wonder, what does that word Sabbath mean for us today? Right, Like in the midst of COVID, in the midst of the American model, in the midst of kids and sports and schools and work and vacations and travel, what does it mean to have a Sabbath, to have a day of rest, to have one day in your week that looks and functions differently than all the rest? Do we have a day carved out where we do these spiritual practices, where, where it's actually set apart to the Lord, or does it just blend together? Right? These early followers of God's way put this into strict practice. Right? They had rules and regulations for the Sabbath, what you could do, what you couldn't do. 
what you could cook, what you couldn't cook, how far you could walk before it became work. Could you help a neighbor? Could you get an ox out of a hole in the ground? They had a religious system for the way in which they followed through on this plan for Sabbath. Overkill? Perhaps. But, but at least they tried. At least they had a goal that they were aiming for, living their life toward. The easiest question for us today is, so are, are we? D- do we have a Sabbath attack plan? Do we have a goal, a plan, a rhythm for what this day of rest ought to look like? Or do we just chalk that up to being antiquated, to being something that was for those people back then, but we've got far too much to do right now to think about and worry about a day of rest. And I'll be 100% completely honest, I'm not even entirely sure what a Sabbath rest looks like in the context of a COVID-19 world. How do we do this? How do we process through this? Are we saying no screen time for the kids that day? That sounds more like hell than a Sabbath, right? That sounds terrible. How do we practice through this idea of carving out a space where our lives rest in the fact that God has completed work, that the work that we do is in vain if the Lord doesn't build the house? What does it look like to put this type of rhythm in play in your life right now in this season? That question is staggering to me. Have we come so far from the basic definition of our faith and following God that we can't even put an articulate definition on what a day of rest, a day devoted to the Lord looks like? If there is a rhythm and we can't define it, then how will we ever be able to put it into practice? Now, am I suggesting that we time travel back some 70 years to the 1950s and close everything on Sunday, right? No liquor sales, no TV, no playing with your friends. Hardly so. I don't think that's a reality for us. I'm merely asking the question, holding up a mirror to our overburdened, exaggerated, woefully busy lives and the lack of satisfaction that they deliver and asking, does God give us a better way to live our lives? And if so, have we tried it? Do we have those practices carved out? Do we have a thought as to how we would live out the Sabbath rest that God calls us to do as his people? Right? This is a gift, God says, that you're given a Sabbath. For one day, we're reminded that the universe doesn't revolve around our productivity. For one day, we're asked to sit and rest and know that he is God. And that one day is meant to give us the fuel to create and produce and work the rest of the six days. But when we take out that one day, when we refuse to practice the rhythm that God wove into the universe, then we miss the opportunity to have the energy that we need for the work at hand. It leaves us drained and burned out and overburdened, and it does not work. There's a rhythm to life, and it's our job to keep in step with that rhythm that God lays out for us to follow after him for our own satisfaction as well as for the reality that God has ordered the universe to operate in this way. When we put that first in place for ourselves and then for our families, we set them up well for the life led in following after God and the rhythms that he gives us. 
When we step out of those rhythms, that's when problems happen. That's when burnout and weariness and tiredness and irritability come from because we aren't taking the time to rest that is freely given to us by God in the Sabbath. And if we want to start following with more rhythms of restfulness in our life, it starts with coming to God, with following after him, with putting into practice the things that he calls us to live and actually doing the following of Jesus that it takes to pull those things off. So if you're tired, worn out, burned out, Jesus says you're in good company, but the first step is you've got to come to me so that I can show you a better way to live. I love the way that Eugene Peterson records these same verses, but in the message paraphrase. Here's how he translates this. He says, Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. How might Jesus be inviting you to come away with him? To keep company with him, to find yourself in a place and at the time of rest where you have the ability to follow after the things that God is calling you towards, to find rest in your relationship with God through Jesus. So that's the first point. If you want to find this rhythm, this rhythm of rest, you've got to start by going to God, who's the author of it. Second, Jesus says, you've got to walk with me. You've got to keep in step, right? Jesus defines the pace that, that is lived with God as a walk. Throughout the histories, scholars have talked about this idea that keeping up with God's step is not a run, it is not a light jog, it is not a marathon, but it is a slow walking pace. It's the pace where you can have a conversation. It's the pace where life happens. It's the pace where you can reflect on your day and get connected with your soul and have a conversation with a person who is like you, but also not like you. Galatians would say it this way in chapter 5, verse 16, keep in step with the Spirit. If God's spirit is moving and it's active, then God is walking in a particular direction even now as we speak. And so often we wait for God to come to us. We want to feel God move. We want God to speak to us. We want to hear him. But all the while, God is doing something around us. Scripture says that it's our job to seek out the places where the Spirit is at work, where God is currently moving, and to go into the flow of the Spirit. Not just to sit back and wait for us to get hit with a wave of emotion or to feel something on a Sunday morning. No, he says, keep in step with the Spirit, because the Spirit is moving, it's living, it's active, it's out there championing the kingdom of God that is here and now and it's our job as heralds of that kingdom to go where the spirit is so if you want to find this life rhythm of rest it's not passive it's 
active. It's not sitting still on the sidelines. It's actively pursuing and seeking after God. God, where is your spirit moving? Where are you at right now? And how can I put myself aligned with you so that I can keep up? And again, it's not a run. It's not a fast pursuit. It's a slow walk. It's a tarrying. It's a waiting in the cool of the garden. It's walking in a fall breeze, right? How many of you guys have taken your kids uh, out for a walk during COVID, right? Especially young parents, maybe after the first time you're taking them to the park, right? A walk with a young child is not all that restful, right? You got to get like the leash on them because they're ahead of you 50 steps and they find a bug and then they're behind you 50 steps and they're running around circles of you like a merry-go-round and then they grab your hand and then they want the other hand and then they want up on your back, right? Like there's just energy all over when a child is on a walk, which means it's not that restful. As your kids grow older, as they tire, right, eventually those energetic walks turned into slow walks together where conversations happen, right? As you grow older with those relationships, you slow down and you sit and you hear, and that's part of the goal for our relationships with our children. In the same way, we are children and God is our Father, and sometimes we're pinballing all around him on our walks. God, what about this? And I thought about that, and could you bless me with this? And meanwhile, God's just going, slow down, walk with me, keep step with me. Remember, we're going somewhere, keep up, don't get too far ahead. Stay with me, walk with me, work with me, watch how I do it. God's inviting us into a pace, a rhythm of rest to match our step with his steps as we go through life. Look, if you're tired, you're in a good place because Jesus gives you rest for your souls. It starts with his definition of it and then us coming into the path of that. In order to keep in the path of God's spirit moving, we have to keep in step to keep walking in the direction that God is calling us and moving us towards. Number three, you've got to work with him, right? Rest takes work. I know that doesn't make sense on the surface, but it's true. You have to plan to take time off. Planning for a vacation takes work. Planning for rest, a regular rhythm, takes more work. You've got to set things in place in the other days so that you can really take a day off. Rest takes effort to pull off. Have you ever been on a vacation where you didn't guard the rest time and instead you just went on an adventure somewhere else and you came back twice as tired as before you left? It's because you maybe prioritized the experience over taking a real rest. Right? Rest, rhythm, pacing, they all take work. The scripture uses this metaphor often of runners in a race or preparing for a race. And when you think about running a marathon, right, a long distance race, part of the training that goes into it is not just your body being able to run for that long, but the pace at which you can run that distance. The training comes from ensuring that you stay on pace, that you run the miles at the pace that you're able to run them on, that you don't get thrown off your journey by somebody else's pace or by somebody else sprinting ahead of you, but that you're able to run your race at the speed in which you've been called. But that takes work and effort and energy to get to that point. 
This is why I can't run outside of a treadmill. I haven't learned how to pace myself. I need the treadmill to tell me exactly how fast to go, exactly what my pace should be. I need a running partner. I need to keep in step with someone who shows me the pace at which I need to run. Jesus says, walk with me, work with me. Let's set this pace together, right? Rest doesn't come from you just being exhausted and sitting on the couch and vegging out to watch TV for the rest of the night. Too often, that's the rest that we get, but that isn't real rest. It's just exhaustion. It's just tiredness oozing out of us. It's not with forethought or purpose. It's not restorative. It's just tiredness from the race that we've been running. Jesus says, Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. Let me teach you the cadence, the pace of a restful, full, meaningful life. I'll show you how to take a real rest, he says. But this isn't easy. It doesn't come natural. It takes discipline and hard work to be able to pull off these rhythms of rest in our lives. Especially if you happen to be a parent or married and living with somebody, you not only set the pace for yourself, but now you have this whole other person that is maybe pulling you in a different direction or you're trying to pull in a different direction. And kids, they're trying to go every direction all at the same time. And you have this opportunity to not only set the pace for yourself, but for your family. And not to do that on your own, but for Jesus to teach and instruct you the work that needs to be done to carve out a meaningful pace of reality for the world that you have. To find rest, the real rest that Jesus offers, it takes seeking after him, adopting his pace, and putting the work in to make his pace ours. Number four, watch how I do it. Jesus came to demonstrate for us how to live a life in perfect fellowship, in perfect harmony with God. He set aside his divine rights to become a human being just like us. And so when he is living his life here, he's living in the rhythm of being connected with the Father. Here's how the author of Hebrews says it in Hebrews chapter 4. It says, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, and yet he did not sin. What we see from Jesus in the scripture is him modeling the way to live this life connected with God. So what do we see him doing? We see him spending time with people, caring for people, the lost and the least, the broken and the outcast, the widow and the orphan. What else do we see? We see him ministering to large groups of people, but also to small groups of people, close friendships and relationships. We see him pull away with those relationships to people where he can laugh around the campfire, but we also see him withdraw to quiet places, to solitude, so he can hear the voice of God as a direction for his life. A great question of application for us literally in every season of life is, so what would Jesus do if he were here, if he were in my shoes, if Jesus were right here instead of me? How would he respond to that situation 
at work? What would he say to my boss when they said that hurtful thing? What would they do when my coworker acts the way that she acts? How would Jesus respond to the world as we're in it today? How would he respond to COVID-19? Would Jesus be wearing a mask? And how would he treat people in stores who perhaps weren't wearing masks? What would Jesus do if he were right here, right now, because Jesus says, hey, if you want to find rest, watch how I do it, because he lived a life of rest in God. But to be able to infer that, to transfer it from the pages of Scripture and into our life, it, it takes a level of knowledge and intimacy and depth to be able to go, okay, I, I see how Jesus acted in the Scripture, and I can directly connect that with what's going on in my life and in my work and in my family. But that takes time, it takes work, it takes intentionality, it takes people helping us see that. Nonetheless, Jesus sets the example for us, and so long as we continue to fix our eyes on him, then he'll illustrate for us how to live this life and this rhythm of rest that we've been talking about. Later on in Hebrews, here's how it's said. It said, let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, don't miss this, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. If we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, it reminds us not only of our race, but of his race. And when we consider what Jesus went through for you and for me, it empowers us to go the extra mile in our lives, to fight for people, to fight for love, and to fight for rest. Now let's get back on our theme here as we talk about parenting, right? Parents, we set the pace for our family. When it comes to our schedules, when it comes to our work, when it comes to sports and weekends and church and activities and rest, we are 100% in charge of the rhythm for our children. And our children are learning lifelong lessons about pacing and how to live and what's important when we live and most importantly, who God and Jesus are in our lives through this pacing and this rhythm. Too often the example that we set for them is not one that's pulled from the pages of scriptures, but one that's pulled from the neighbors or the headlines or what we think we ought to do. And we have a divine obligation, parents, to set a godly pace in our homes and for our children. The really difficult part about this is that that pace comes from us. You'll never be able to run the race at the pace of rest if you haven't learned it yourself. You'll be pulled off your course by kids running faster, a spouse running slower. It doesn't matter. You'll be pulled off the pace that God has set for you because you haven't internalized it. And so when it comes to our children, when it comes to those places and things, we have to first lead ourselves in lives of a rhythm of rest so that we can in turn lead them forward. As a reminder, right, what's the goal of all this work, of watching Jesus, of putting these habits in place? What's the goal that we're living toward? Matthew 11, Jesus says that the goal is rest. 
It's not just heaven. It's not just church on Sunday. It's not just relationships. Jesus says, I want to give you a real rest. Rest for your soul deep down in your bones. I want you to experience the rest of God. And the good news is that it's available here and now. So, church, are you tired? Are you weary? Are you burned out? Is this whole situation in the world just way too much? I've got good news. God has a rest for you. Come to me. Let me demonstrate for you the way forward. Walk with me. Watch how I do it. Keep in step with me. Do the work that it takes to carve out these unforced rhythms of grace because I want you to learn to live life freely and fully and wholly embracing the pace that God has for you. A couple questions for reflection, right? What pace are you running at? Are you in step with God? Have you lagged behind? Maybe you're running too far ahead or maybe you're just exhausted looking for some rest. The good news from scripture is that Jesus has the antidote to the furious pace of our life, to the unrelenting go, go, go that exists in our smartphones and at our calendars and at every turn. It isn't easy, but it is present. It isn't easily for us to grab onto, but it is the opportunity that God has to show us the way to walk and experience a real rest. If our aim is to live towards the target and to fire the arrows that God has entrusted to us, then to that end, we must set the pace and the rhythm at which life happens. And we're getting our butts kicked, right? From this pandemic and this shutdown, we're quite frankly addicted to the pace that we've set. But the good news from Scripture is that there is another way to live life. And that it's found in following the way of Jesus. Apprenticing under his leadership. Learning a new way to live. And only by doing that for yourself will you ever have the chance at leading your children in a life that admits to adhering to those goals that God has set forth to call them to. Keeping in step, soul-filling peace, and a life lived with eternity in mind. So how will you find more rest this week? How will you adopt the practices of Jesus this week in your household, in your life, in your personal devotion, in your personal calendar? Where will you find the increase in rest? Because it's not going to happen naturally. You're going to have to put in work. You're going to have to identify something and go for it. But if you're tired and burned out and weary, the path is in front of you. What steps will you take to ensure that you're not as tired next Sunday as perhaps you are this Sunday? And then keep doing that. That's my prayer for you this week and throughout this season that you would find rest. That you would discover the unforced rhythms of grace that God has for you. That God would remove anything ill-fitting off of your shoulders and show you the way to a full and restful life. To a more sustainable pace and in so doing enable you to demonstrate that to your family as well. There is rest for your soul and it is available in following and pursuing the path that Jesus has laid out for you. May that be true for you this week.